Welcome to the Center for Spiritual Living Santa Rosa, a spiritual community that promotes global transformation through personal transformation. At the Center, we are motivated by a compelling vision of a healthy, loving world, which we call the Global Heart Vision. This vision inspires us to bring the gifts of compassion and loving-kindness to the world through our ministries and teaching. What you are about to hear is a recording of a message delivered at the Center for Spiritual Living Santa Rosa. Feel welcomed. Feel at home. We are now focusing our attention on the human body and how that fits into our whole spiritual experience. And I love pride as such a wonderful um, segue to that, and I'll get into uh, that in just a little bit. But I want to start off and just talk about our bodies in general, right? And in particular, my relationship with my body, um, which has not always been super great. <laughs> I think back to when I was younger, and I was a bit of a buck-toothed kid. I inherited my dad's teeth, and he has Mr. Ed teeth, just as I have Mr. Ed teeth. Some of you will get that reference. <laughs> And I was a buck-toothed kid, and I got teased for that a lot when I was growing up. So I was being teased for the way that my body was just, that's just the way that my body was showing up in that time. And, um, of course, that wasn't fun. Nobody likes being teased. Nobody likes being bullied. And it stuck with me for a while, and it kind of informed my own body image, the way that I saw my body and myself in the world. And it wasn't a good framing, I got to say. It was, it was a really challenging framing that um, something, if I'm being honest, it's something I still work on. And it took me getting some braces, of course, and, and doing a lot of other things um, to try to, and I, I say this as lovingly to myself as possible, to try to allow myself to fit in with what our society deems as normal, Heavy emphasis on those air quotes there. So that led me to think of some journal questions for all of us to contemplate as we go into this exploration of the body and what that means in our spiritual experience. And that first question, then if you all have your journals with you, you can write down to follow along, is do I find myself comparing my body to the bodies of others? I hear some chuckles at that question, which means it's a good one. And the second question is, what is my relationship with my body? And then the third question, of course, I saved the best for last. What might it look like for me to build a deeper, more loving relationship, more accepting relationship with my body? So question, raise of hands, who here is madly in love with their body? One person, two people, okay. I'm, I'm only raising my hand to get you all to raise your hands. I am not one of those people who's raising his hand either. Because like I said, I'm still working on it. We're all working on it. We live in this society that seems to want to tell us we have to look a certain way, don't we? And that is a problem. And that's what I'm, I'm going to open us up talking about today, that we grow up with this, it's a very human desire to be sure, but it's not always a helpful one, this, this desire to engage in comparisons. 
we all compare our bodies, the ways that we look to those around us. And I'm very guilty of this myself. Um, you know, I love superhero movies. Who here loves superhero movies? I love superhero movies. And it's funny, you know, I'll go and watch a Marvel movie and I'll see Chris Hemsworth playing Thor. And I'll notice how I don't look like Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> and not in the best, most healthy way possible. I'll be thinking, wow, Chris Hemsworth looks great, doesn't he? And the inner monologue is going, you're never going to look like that. Ever, ever, ever. <laughs> and isn't it interesting, would we ever see, I mean, I'm hopeful that this will change, by the way, but in this day and age, would we ever see like a Marvel movie, a DC movie, a superhero movie with a full-figured actor. Yeah. And that gets me thinking about these norms that we have created in our society about what we consider to be beautiful and what we consider to not be beautiful. And I think about if we go back into like the 1700s, the 1800s, that there was actually a very different image of what a beautiful body looked like than what we hold today. And that tells me that there isn't this intrinsic expression of what beauty is supposed to look like. No, it's something that we, as a society, we create. We create together through our agreements. We learn when we're growing up what is supposed to look good in the world. But that doesn't necessarily reflect that intrinsic beauty that is part of our creative consciousness, does it? Because the truth is that we are all beautiful. Whatever form our bodies show up in, we are beautiful. Because we are creations, we are outpicturings of that divine consciousness. And so I have to remind myself of that because the problem that I think most of us have when we see media, for example, that shows us what you know, our society is saying beauty is, well... I look at Chris Hemsworth, for example. I actually looked this up. I'm like, what does Chris Hemsworth's workout routine look like when he's getting ready for a Marvel movie? Do you know what it is? <laughs> he spends 90 minutes a day in the gym just to get himself ready five days a week with a very expensive personal trainer to look that way. How many of us have 90 minutes a day and the money to spend on a personal trainer five days a week to be able to do that? It's an unrealistic expectation for the vast majority of us. In fact, for many of us, that would probably be unhealthy, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think like I'll, I'll go to the gym and I just started doing that again myself um, and, you know, be lifting some weights and then I get out of that and I'm, my whole body is yelling at me, you know, because it's been the pandemic for two years and I, I kind of, you know, haven't been as active as I would have liked to have been. That's a problem. And I think it's good for us to remind ourselves of these unconscious biases that are created in our society that can draw us towards something that's maybe not a realistic expectation or a realistic example of what beauty actually is. So this, this desire to compare 
it's pretty natural. I mean, we all compare ourselves to others, but it's not very helpful. And I'm reminded of Julia Cameron, author, author Julia Cameron, who wrote The Artist Way. It's one of my favorite new thought books. And she talks about creativity in the artist's way. And she talks about one of the number one things that we can do to sabotage our creativity. And do you know what it is? It's when we start to compare our work, our creative expressions, to the creative expressions of others. And what she says is that there are two things that can happen when we do this. The first thing, and this is what tends to happen for me, is we see somebody else's creative endeavor, whether it's like somebody's painted something or they've drawn something or they're a musician or however they express their creativity, and we compare ourselves to them and we think, oh, wow, they're so much better than I am. And so that shuts down our creativity because what I hear when my mind starts to go to that is, well, why would I bother? That person's doing a much better job than I am. Why would I create anything? So that's dangerous. And then the other side of the spectrum, which is equally, if not a little bit more dangerous, is when we compare ourselves to others and we see, wow, I'm a much better musician than that person is. I'm a much better painter, much better actor, much better yada, yada, yada. And that takes us into our narcissism. And that also shuts us down because it keeps us from actually being in the authentic expression of our creativity. And so I mentioned that example because that's how it works with our bodies too. If we find our body somehow lacking in comparison to those around us and comparison to what this you know, social standard is that is pretty arbitrary, by the way, then we can either feel less than or maybe we can find our way into narcissism. Maybe we really match that social standard and we're like, yeah, you know, I look so much better than that person. Well, both of those, both of those shut down that authentic expression of who and what we are. And this is why I brought up pride. I love pride so much because, yes, pride is about honoring and seeing, emphasis on that word, seeing our LGBTQA plus communities. What I love about pride, though, every time I go there, is that pride is also about being absolutely unashamed of whatever our body is. If you go to pride, you will see many bodies, Sometimes bodies that are not wearing much clothing. <laughs> and it's wonderful because in that moment, in that pride experience, everybody is able to be seen. Everybody is able to be accepted exactly as who and what they are. Sans judgment. Sans any of these social ideas of what people need to look like. That's why I love pride so much. And why I'm so grateful that this body conversation is coinciding with our Pride Month because I feel like they both go hand in hand, don't they? This whole idea that we can simply accept our bodies exactly as they are. And sure, you know, maybe we want to exercise more so that we can feel better physically so that we can be healthy. But when we can find that center as opposed to, you know, how I used to exercise, which is, you know, I want to like look good, <laughs> right? You know, I was, had to find the right reason to do it. Now, let's talk about the spiritual components of this, shall we? 
the spiritual component that I love that, that brings me into this whole my body is a temple conversation, that's the talk title today, is that the more I dove into new thought teachings that we teach here, the more I started to realize that, wow, you know, the very first thing, my consciousness, this individual expression of the divine consciousness that I call me created is my body. Think about that very first thing, the absolute first thing that is ever created by us in this world is our body. We create it so that we can support this conscious experience that we're all having as human beings. Ernest Holmes says in The Science of Mind on page 15, paragraph 2, our body is part of the kingdom of God. Therefore, there is a spiritual pattern at the center of it. And so that tells me that our bodies are one of the most impressionable receptors of that creative power that each of us holds. After all, they are the closest thing to us, aren't they? (laughs) And they are designed to support our consciousness. So much of our body is designed to support this conscious experience that we have as human beings. The challenge that I think we run into with our bodies, and I certainly run into this myself, is that we forget that it's a two-way street. For me, oftentimes, it's my mind telling my body what it needs to be doing instead of listening to what my body is trying to tell me and building a collaborative relationship with it. So that reminds me that For me to be in a loving, caring, and radically accepting relationship with my body, how it's showing up now means that I have to be in relationship with it. And the truth is that we have a symbiotic relationship with our bodies. Everything that is happening in our bodies, oh my God, it's such a miracle how our bodies work, how our bodies show up in the world. Because if you think about it, there are millions and millions of tiny, itty-bitty little cells that you need a microscope to be able to see that are all working in concert to create us, to give us this platform to experience, to give us the ability to run through life, to do jumping jacks, to go swimming, to go hiking, to experience. Everything, all of these things are working together in concert, and it's pretty miraculous how that all happens. And I believe that each and every bit of our bodies, they all have their own little bitty individual consciousness that all works together in concert to help our greater consciousness be here in this world. And so that invites me to look at where I am having a top-down relationship. I would say maybe a dominating relationship with my body, right? Certainly, I think there are times when we might have to like kind of kick our body into gear. You know, the pandemic was a great example for myself where my body was just sort of like, I just want to sit here and chill out because I've been sitting down working from home for two years and had to talk with it a little bit and be like, you know, what if we went for a walk today? 
And then the body says, I don't want to. <laughs> and I said, we're going to go for a walk today and just try it out. And if you hate it, you can tell me afterwards. And of course, the body's like, okay, I'm glad that we went for a walk today. So that's, that's one example, but that's kind of an edge case. I think in most instances, our invitation to be in spiritual practice, to be in spiritual communion with our bodies is to listen to them to be collaborative with them, to listen to the messages that our bodies are always telling us. And I'm going to be 41 in next month. Um, so as I get older, I notice that my body speaks to me in new ways, fun ways, sometimes painful ways. And that's perfect. That's exactly what's supposed to happen, I think. You know, we, the more I notice that I'm ignoring the messages that my body, the more I notice that my body gets a little bit louder about those messages, maybe a little bit more forceful with me. So that's one of the invitations that we have today, that we can actually supercharge our lives as human beings. If we can, instead of trying to have it be the mind that's just controlling everything that's happening in our body, realizing that our body is actually part of our conscious mind and experience, and therefore it's deserving of our acceptance, it's deserving of our love and our trust, it's deserving of building a positive collaborative relationship that can allow us to really hear the messages that it's trying to tell us. And now this is, um, I'll say that this is the good news, even though I know that the, this can be challenging for myself. It also means that we have to take time to feel our emotions. And that's one of the biggest things that we talked about last month, Right. We we're talking about emotions and how emotions show up and how they show up in our bodies and how we have an opportunity to listen to them. One of the things that happens if we don't listen to those emotions is they can get stuck in the body. And for me, they get stuck as the tension in my shoulders or as indigestion or maybe my bowels feeling irritated or whatever. All of those are stronger reminders, I think, that, oh, I have not been listening to my body. I have not been listening to the emotions that it's trying to show me. And that is um, what I'm hoping that we can move beyond because the more we're able to actually just sit and feel, oh, you know, I'm feeling angry right now and actually feel the emotion, the less likely it is that it's going to get trapped in our bodies and then we have to deal with it later. And oftentimes, in my experience, having to deal with it later when it's much more painful, right? So how can we build awareness? How can we build awareness of our bodies and their needs and their desires? What can we do to make this a true spiritual practice? Well, I'll start us off by saying, you know, repeating something Ernest Holmes says on page 99 of the Science of Mind textbook, and that is that our body expresses intelligence. It's apparent intelligence being lent by the consciousness which permeates it. I love that, this idea that the consciousness permeates our whole body. And what I've been noticing, what I've been doing myself as a spiritual practice is, um, one, taking that time to notice. Notice when I'm out of alignment with my body and its needs. And I'll give you an example. I like to graze. Any, do we have any like late night grazers here where you maybe find yourself in the refrigerator <laughs> or in the pantry when you've already had a large dinner and you know that you're not hungry, 
right? I know when I'm doing this that I am not hungry. My body has sent me a very clear message. That was a delicious dinner, Russ. Why are you trying to eat some more? We don't need any of that. And so I have to ask myself, well, why am I feeling like I want to go eat that bag of Cheetos right now? Why am I wanting to go and eat that pint of Haagen-Dazs? Which has to be strawberry. <laughs> why? Why? You know, and that's, that's a good question to ask ourselves when these urges come up, when we know that I have eaten, I am sated, so why am I hungry? And certainly there's other examples. I'm just using this one here, but... Asking that question why is a good first step, isn't it? And when I do that, I find that, oh, I'm ignoring the messages that my body is trying to sell me. Sell me, tell me, it's trying to tell me in that moment. I'm ignoring that message of my body saying, you know, why in the holy blazes did you stuff me full of an entire bag of Cheetos? You know, I ignore those. And so I get an answer to that. And then the next question becomes, well, why did I ignore my body? Why did I decide that this was going to be the thing that I'm going to do as opposed to honoring what it's telling me? And so I go a little bit deeper and maybe I find out, oh, you know, I was feeling kind of sad about something that happened today. Maybe I read something in the news and that was making me feel sad. Maybe I had um, a challenging interaction with somebody today and I'm having a feeling that I ignored in that moment and now it's coming up and I'm trying to ignore it again. And that usually doesn't work. And so there's a really simple process that I found that we can do to, um, I'm, I'm somebody who likes structure in my life. So what we can do differently when we build this awareness, when we start to learn about this is when that thought comes up to go and eat that Haagen-Dazs pint or when we, when we want to eat that bag of Cheetos or maybe it's um, you know, something that's pushing us to do something that our body isn't ready for, that our body is really fighting against, what we can do is we can talk to our ego. We can say, hold on a second. I would really like to take a moment to hear what my body is saying. So we interrupt that thought that's trying to lead us to the behavior that we know is going to lead to pain in our physical body. And then the next step is simply to listen. Maybe I do that and I hear that, oh, you know, my body's actually telling me that I'm full right now. I don't need to eat anything. And then when we do hear that message, and this is the most important part, we have to trust it. We have to honor it. We have to listen and trust that our body is telling us the truth in that moment. That it's not lying to us saying that, you know, that bag of Cheetos is going to make us feel pretty garbagey <laughs> if we eat it. But trust it. Trust that it actually knows and that it's simply trying to communicate its wisdom to us. And so I'm going to conclude by saying that in this practice of listening to the body, we can start to build a more loving relationship with it. And that's what we're going to be talking about throughout this whole month is how we can build this loving relationship with our physical bodies. We can learn to honor the needs and the desires and the very interesting ways that our bodies speak to us. And we can stop comparing ourselves and our bodies to other people learning to accept them exactly as they are, exactly as the beautiful bodies that they are. 
And if this is something that sounds really interesting to you, we're going to be diving a little bit more into the spiritual practice in Wednesday Night Live this coming Wednesday over Zoom. So I invite you to come and join me there. And um, just throughout this week, consider what your life would look like if you were able to build that deeper relationship with your body. If you learned how to accept it, to know that no matter how your body shows up in the world, it's absolutely perfect. It's absolutely amazing. It's absolutely beautiful. There is no social construct at all that can tell you otherwise. That's what we know as the spiritual truth because what I know is that this divine presence does not make mistakes. We are all exactly who we are, and that's perfect. And so let us take that into prayer, yes? How good it is to just be in the presence of that divine perfection, this expression, this consciousness that is truly all that there is. I know that it is unconditional love. I know that it is wholeness. I know that it is oneness. And I know myself to be with one with it, just as I know that each and every person here today on our live stream and our whole community and beyond, we are all individual, perfect, divine expressions of that wholeness, that oneness, that love, that perfection. And it is that unconditional love that I call forth in our experience today, knowing that as that divine source's unconditional love is present, our bodies are a reflection of that. We are truly loved exactly as we are. And I open my heart to allowing that unconditional love to flow forth, to share that unconditional love with all around me, letting go of what society says I should look like and others should look like and knowing that we are all exactly as this divine presence would have us look like, knowing that that is perfect, knowing that we truly are an expression of beauty. And so I call forth that gentle reminder and that, that beautiful feeling of just being accepted as exactly who and what we are. I know this, it is here now, just as it is always, always, always here. And so I am grateful for this, grateful for the fulfillment of this prayer, grateful for this beautiful community of beautiful, beautiful people. And I release this word into the law that has already said, yes, my beloveds, yes. And together we say, and so it is.